Okay, we are in Sefer Malachim Aleph, Peret Yud Aleph, Pasuk Aleph, for Hamelech Shlomo Ahab Nashim Nachriot Rabov. So we are going to see in Yud Aleph probably one of the most dramatic, tragic, precipitous falls from greatness of any biblical figure in Tanakh. And the question, of course, is why? How did this happen that the richest man in the world, the king of Israel, the person, the architect of the base, Mikdash, the one who had all the wealth in the world, all the wisdom in the world, suddenly fall to such staggering depths so fast? How did it happen? Why did it happen? Was it sudden or was it gradual? We're going to see there are inferences, not, not inferences, actual statements in Perikudala of Shlomo descending into Avodazara, into some of the most abominable practices of pagan nations led by his wives. And the question is, how did it happen? So I think we begin with a Gemara that we had studied already, but bears review. It's in Sanhedrin, Chof Aleph, Amud Beis. But Omar Rav Yitzhak, Mipnei Ma Lo Niskalu Tamei Torah. Why doesn't the Torah reveal, and he's referring to the mitzvahs of Lo Saseh, the Thou Shall Nots, why doesn't the Torah ever give the reasons behind it? You can't do this because we are worried it's going to lead into that. Says the Gemara, there are two instances, and only two instances in the Torah, where the reasons were given for a low sase. And one of the world's greatest people stumbled and transgressed them. So we know it says when they give the qualifications for a king in, in Sefer Jvarim, Lo Yarbe Lo Nashi, he shall not multiply wives. Why? So that his heart will not follow them. Shalom Yiton Liboa Chareyem. Now, Omar Shlomo, Shlomo says, Ani arbe below Asur. I know the reason now. I'm pretty smart, if not the smartest man ever uh, created. I know the reason. I can do it. Ani arbe below Asur. I understand the reasoning. I will multiply wives, and they will not turn my heart. But, but let me ask you a question. If... How is that a wise interpretation? It doesn't say, you know, it, it says not to do it. It doesn't say not to do it unless you understand the reason why. No, of course. We're coming right to that. That's the key. And it says in his old age, he followed his wives. Second, Susan. A king shall not multiply horses for himself. And the reason given, and again, it's one of only two mitzvah slosase where the reason is given, 
we do not want the people returning to Mitzrayim. And Mitzrayim had the greatest, most abundant, most qualitatively high supply of horses in the known world. So you figure that if you start to collect a multiplicity of horses, you're going to send servants and merchants and B'nai Yisrael people back to Egypt, the Kaddish Baruch who doesn't want that. Similarly, says Shlomo, I know what the reason is now. I can do it, get the horses, and I will not return B'nai Yisrael to them. So that was the basis of his thing. What he did was what the Torah says, he did cheshbonos, accounts with the mitzvahs. In other words, he was going to outsmart them. He was going to weigh it and say, I can get or I can do it without succumbing. But if, but if he was, if he is as wise as we believe he was, wouldn't he understand that he could not? That, right. he, that he was just a, a mortal man, even if he was midrashically exactly. somewhat that, unmor- immortal in some way. But well, and that's why he fails. Yirmiyahu. In fact, the Radak quotes Yirmiyahu. It says, Ayis Haleo Chacham Bechachmatel. That a, a Chacham shouldn't exult in his wisdom. And that's what he did here. And it's quoted, Bishlomo. Ayis Haleo Chacham Bechachmatel. Don't exult in your smartness. So now, we pick it up, Pasuk Aleph, Bahamelech Shlomo Ahab Noshim Nochriot Rabbo. He liked a lot of Gentile women, Vespasparo, specifically they mentioned first Basparo. As Rashi says, she was of the Gentiles. She was his favorite because she was first. But it didn't stop at Basparo. Continues Pasach Allah, Moabiot, Moabites. Ammonios, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonis, Sidon, Chitios, which is from the tribe of the Chiti of Canaan. So, question is, in this, and this was part, not part, a very big part of his downfall was the untrammeled carnality, the meretricious, lascivious, um, licentious pursuit of physical pleasure, and says the Mepharshim, the Rambam says that he converted them. Other Mepharshim say he didn't convert them. Others say even if he did convert them, there are nations where they're incontrovertible. (laughs) He can't convert them. There are nations that they cannot enter the tribe of Israel ever. We're going to come to that. So what he does is take all these wives, we learned that the beginning, and we've had this parish before, there's a medrash, and I got it up in Brachos, that says on the day that Shlomo took the daughter of the king of Pharaoh, the angel Gabriel comes down to earth, takes a rod, a stick, and sticks it in the sand of the Mediterranean, and from that grows outward what eventually becomes the city of Rome and the source of the destruction of the second temple and the Gullus that we are living in now. So, moreover, 
There are medrashim all over the place. A, on the night of his wedding was the same night as the um, breaking of ground of the Beis Hamikdash. And there was a mishteh for his wedding, a feast. There was a feast for the dedication. And yet, it came apparent B'nai Israel seemed to be having a lot more fun at his wedding feast with greater joy and participation than in the breaking ground for the temple. And at this point, the Kaddish Baruch who says, I will destroy this temple. So in other words, what they're showing us, this isn't sudden. The seeds were there before. There's another metric that says on his wedding night, she brought him a gift of a thousand musical instruments, uh, cymbals, lyres, harps, and what she did was show him each one and tie it in. This was the Avodah Zorah we used, the music we used for this Avodah Zorah. This is the one we used for this. And in the end, Shlomo oversleeps and misses by four hours the Korban Tamid. He misses the dedication. And the Kaddish Baruch Hu again decides this temple will not survive. So we see, again, it was implanted way before. Says the Navi Pasuk Gimel, Beis, Minagoyim asher amar asher al-bnei Yisrael lo sabol bohem, vehein lo yovol bohem. These are nations that the Kodesh Baruch Hu says they can't intermarry with you, you can't intermarry with them. Conversion doesn't do a thing. So even if you accept the Rambam's premise that he did conversion, they're nations he can't do conversion with. And they followed their heart after Avodah Zorah. He clung to them with love. These are verbs that aren't just passive. He was enamored of them. He clung to them with a deep love. By Yehilo Noshim Sarot Sheva Meos. And as we've learned, he had well, seven. Let me ask you a question. Go. Uh, clinging to seven hundred wives with love, he loved them. He kind of, he could barely know them. And then three hundred pilachim yeah, roll yeah. into that. All right. So some say that there were parishes that there were really sixty wives that were basic wives. The rest, as you say, maybe one night in a lifetime. But, you know, this is 60 wives that form the nexus of this thing. But we know he can't have more than 18, even 60. But here they say 700 uh, wives, 300 pilachim, bayatsu nasha veslibo. And they did, they turned his heart away to different pursuits. Bayihila esikna, now in his old age, shlomo nasha hitu eslobavo, they do lead his heart away, after other gods, and his heart was not as righteous as his father David. So let's stop here. There are, I wouldn't say apologists, but there are those who defend Shlomo. What we said yesterday, the era of Mashiachus. Shlomo believed that either he was in the age of Mashiachus, the wealth, 
the domestic peace, the rich, the tranquility, the lack of foreign enemies, domestic enemies, nations coming together to see the base Hamikdra, see him. We were in the at least on the threshold of Meshichos, and that maybe what he could do by bringing these wives together from different nations, unite the nations, as it were, in following a sentiment era, ushering in the era of the messianic time where all people would dwell together with Israel, Yerushalayim, at the center, that that may have been his concept. Two, he really believed that maybe he could do outreach, as it were, among these nations, which is the same thing as the Mashiachs, bring everybody together. Moreover, some of the Avodah Zorah, we say, or the Mephorshim say, that he didn't do it himself, but he did not protest when his wives did, say the Mephorshim. And isn't that the same thing? So let's continue. He follows the Ashtores, which is the worship of a, a form of tree worship that they did. And one of the most reprehensible systems of worship, and he follows it. Uh, and he followed the God of Milcom, which is Shekets is the very strongest term the Torah uses as an abomination of the Ammonim. And now the worst of all, that's what we said. That's used in defense. Says the Mephoshim, do you think of doing all this and then the Torah, the Navi says, but his heart wasn't like David, that he really did all these himself. They wouldn't even say that. In other words, again, we're going to compare him. He wasn't exactly like David. The point is, there is a Gemara, Sanhedrin, that says, Misha Omer Shlomo Ovad Avodah Ta'ah. Anyone who says that Shlomo worshipped Avodah is in error. And yet, the pshat he certainly looks at. Then he builds a bama, a sacrificial altar to um, Kamosh, which is one of the most lowest forms of abomination of Moloch. On a mountain facing Yerushalayim. And here is the worst of all, Ulamolech. He builds one to Molech, Shekets B'nei Amon, the Ammonite abomination. And we know in Molech, you put your children through the flames. It is considered the most reprehensible. The Torah just rails against, you do not turn your children over to the Molech. And here, he builds a Bummah. And this is what he did for all his wives. Ketores sacrifices korbanos to their God. And there's no way to escape it. Even if you want to say, as Mephorshim do, he didn't build the Bama, they built the Bama. Same thing. He didn't stop them. Where, where are the other high-ranking Jews? The Kohen Hagadol, where are they? But all this is going on. Uh, how is how, how is in other words, Avoda no going? How, how is how do you have 
worship in the temple while the king... Yes. There is no explanation. In other words, assume the silence is broken. But it's a, go- a very good question. Where is the Sanhedrin? Where are the Gadolim? Where are the Kohen Gadol? Um, while this is going on. And this went on for a long period. And now the Kaddish Baruch Hu steps in. By Yisanev Hashem Bishlomo, he grows very angry. Because they have turned his heart away. This is the same Kaddish Baruch Hu who appeared to Shlomo in the Nebuah at least twice, some say three times. In Givon, when he tells him he's going to be king, when he gives instructions to uh, proceed with the Beis Hamikdash, and then after that beautiful tefillah in the Beis Hamikdash, he appears to him saying everything he asks for will be granted. But Siva I love al hadavar hazeh levilti leches acharei Elohim acharim velo shomar deshashet Siva Hashem. And the Kaddish Baruch Hu had told him that this whole thing, the whole eternal dynasty is contingent on you obeying the mitzvot of Hashem. Vayomer Hashem l'shlomo, ya'an asher ha'isozosimach v'lo shomach t'pusi v'chu kosai asher tzibisi olecho. Now, because you haven't listened, kroa ekra es hamam lecho me'elecho, I will tear... Um, the nation from you, I will give it to your servant, he means here, his son, the next king. However, in your days, I will not do this. I will not do this because I honor the pledge, I promised David eternal dynasty. I promised David that the kingship will not depart from him. So it will not be you. It will be your so, son. But, I mean, you know, once again, Hashem, none of this is news to him, right? One, he knows that this is going to happen because he knows the, the all of time, right? It's also... It was Shof team, it was Shaul, right? When they, this is, they're going to Abu Zara. Well, this keeps happening. Yeah, but nothing like this, not on this scale. Even Shaul was not a Shaul. David certainly wasn't. But this is Abu Zara. Now you, you want to get into the philosophical question of didn't he have the free will to the Bechira Chavshit? And there's a very interesting message that says, yes, man does have the Chira Chavshit, but sometimes the Kaddish Baruch Hu stacks it up against him, the Bechira Chavshit, where the Satan is allowed to come in and pervert it. And that's what happened here. I will not, as I promised, take the entire kingdom from you. I will leave you one tribe, it's really two tribes, it's Yehuda and Binyamin, and they are considered one. The other ten I am taking away. Uh, because of the pledge I made to your father. Okay, so now it is said, Shlomo will lose ten of the twelve tribes, not Shlomo, I will defer it till his son, in honor of the pledge I made both to David and Shlomo. So we see a total descent, and it's not over yet. 
And so now the next thing we're going to see is that the tranquility that ranges from Mozira, no foreign enemies, no domestic enemies, suddenly going to end with the appearance of rebellious enemies who are going to take Shlomo on. 8.45 a.m. tomorrow, Ad Khan.